Hello and welcome to this latest episode of the Talking Heads podcast with me, Saul Walker. And me, Lucy Chamberlain. With lockdown limitations continually adjusting and the summer now looking us beautifully in the eye, we continue with regular discussions about our respective horticultural worlds. Putting the pandemic's grip on us aside, we sincerely hope that you found enough moments to quietly contemplate, distract yourself, gaze in wonder and generally pour positive and fruitful energy into this most glorious and rewarding of hobbies, which, for Saul and myself, we are lucky enough to also call our profession. Restrictions are still with us, experiences are still unprecedented, but Lucy and I hope that by providing you with a continued shortened version of this podcast every few days, you can easily fit a small dose of horticultural musings into your routine. We will, of course, still bring you longer bonus episodes too, when we chat to inspirational peers on more in-depth gardening topics. So fire up the kettle, get comfortable in your favourite chair and join us now for a 20-minute escape into the busy and exciting world of the modern head gardener. Hello, Mr. Walker. You're looking very. You're, you're, your hair's down, your beard's in full flow, you're backlit. Oh my God, you could be in a shampoo advert at the moment. It looks pretty special. It's like being the gardening Jesus. That's what I'd say. <laughs> that is actually what I was thinking. So, so have you had a, a, a gorgeous day at Stonehenge today? Do you know, it's been a bit cooler today, which is nice because I think we're in the yep. middle of two quite hot periods. Definitely the temperatures are going up by this weekend again. So I'm sure. This Friday is going to be very similar to last Friday. Probably not not as hot, but still not a nice time. So I'm just enjoying a bit of cooler weather, getting on with a few heavier jobs at Stolens. I had to spray the paths this morning, um, a bit of weed management. Uh, and that is using a knapsack sprayer and 16 kilos on your back is not a, a pleasant... Um, walk around the garden i must say so you need to do you need to do training and get nick to jump on your back on a hot day around your back garden and uh, and then she'll she'll strengthen your core muscles and you'll be fine that's true but do you remember when you visited the walk up the hill without without yeah. a backpack you were you were huffing and puffing just imagine doing that well, with that's... 16 kilos on your back but but then when you get to stoneland and it's flat you know that'll be a breeze yeah that's true so, that's yeah. true yeah, you've got to think about it that way. Yeah. So, so, so you were spraying today, and we, we always have a little chat before we press the record button. I, I was spraying today at the hall because it was still in the first thing in the morning. There was no breeze. Yeah, and I no had breeze. A little bit of yeah. uh, spraying to do because the owner of the house would really like the clover on the front lawn sprayed, and um, I was double checking. I was using the right herbicide the right lawn weed killer because it's dicamba which is the active ingredient that kills clover and we'd got various lawn weed killers ones with a um, mcpa and mecapop p and triclopyr and all this all sorts of stuff there and i was found one with dicamba so then i filled up my little sprayer and i was merrily spraying the lawn and it and you know like you say when you sit on your mower and you're you're on the lawn and you have thinking time yeah. and it got it got me thinking i was sitting there spraying away and i thought well this is all very jolly, you know, but I wouldn't bother doing this at home on my lawn. I, my lawn is much more of a, a free-spirited beast and it has all sorts of daisies and hawks bits and clovers and, and shenanigans going in it. And it just got me thinking about why why do some people want very manicured lawns, whereas others are more happy just to go with the flow? I, I think your owner's probably in a minority it, and, and probably it's an age thing. I know your owner's reasonably uh, elderly now, so they're probably looking back to a time when lawns were grass clipped, 
you know, all that kind of thing. I, I don't know many people who spray for clover unless it's in a, um, like a, a professional setting, golf clubs, uh, tennis clubs, all that kind of thing. So exactly, yeah, that is an unusual thing to hear. And it's unusual to hear the name of that chemical because I know that chemical from my studies, but I've not never really used it because I quite like clover because it's actually quite dry resistant. You know, it's quite it's quite good in these in these dry periods in that it actually will keep green, whereas the grass around it yeah. will die back. You'll notice in places where there's a lot of clover in the lawn they actually stay a lot greener so in some ways i would probably encourage clover into some lawns especially if they <gasps> if they die off in the middle of summer well i know you and me both as i say i do think so so the owner is an octogenarian and as i say it's the front of the house it is a formal lawn so to be fair i i can understand why he wants it to look absolutely pristine it's a it's a fine turf mixture uh, so it's got very sort of um, the, the, there's not much perennial ryegrass in there. There's more the fescues and the bents and things like that. We do have a, a weed problem with Yorkshire fog. So you've got the broad-leaved grass in there, which is um, again, like you say, quite noticeable. It's got more of a glaucous leaf. When you get the sun behind it, you can really notice it on the grass, and you can definitely notice the patches of clover. They are a lot greener because. I'm guessing, again, that because they've got the ability to fix nitrogen and, as you say, they're a little bit more drought tolerant. We've also got things like Black Medic and the, 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 the trefoils in there. So there was a right old mixture. And, um, yeah, so so I, I, and I, I'm probably, I've been managing that front lawn, as I say, as I would my own. But he did pipe up about two months ago and ask to spray for just the clover, not the frog. And we've also got yarrow in there and a little bit of speedwell. There's a few little bits and bobs but nothing too dominant it is it does look a very nice lawn but i can the the clover's taking over I, I, do you know what? i tell you what that sounds ideal for a meadow <laughs> do you know what i mean well, with I all know. those things in or or this or no mow may which i know is something that is happening these days where people don't mow their lawns for the whole of may and you'll get all those clovers and those trefoils yeah. flowering and actually i think it's like what they used to call um a summery mead um, there's there's a there's a typical lawn, and it used to be around in the uh, Elizabethan times, um, if I can remember my history right, where they would have uh, the summery mead, which would be all these sort of very loose wildflowers mm. and grasses that would be kept short but allowed to grow, and then you would sort of walk around them, looking at them, if I remember in the Elizabethan times, as part of walking the countryside and things. So that, you know, your front lawn there sounds like a uh, a flowery well, mead to I'll, me. I'll put it to him and see what he says. But I do think he might be setting his ways, his ways on this particular aspect because it's so dominant at the front of the house and it's the first thing everyone sees. But I will try and persuade him. We do have other areas of the of the hall grounds that aren't anywhere near as as sort of tightly clipped and watered and fed and scarified and aerated and manicured uh, as I say the the front lawn and the side where the terraces are kept really well maintained and then walking up from there we've got the uh, an area between the um the tennis court and the uh the moat sounds so grand doesn't it but it is, I mean it's a lovely place to work to be honest um and well it is a moat yes, it's a lovely moat yeah with the black swans on there you've 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 been the black swans been honk, yeah. honked at by the swans haven't you on numerous occasions oh, they, they've chased me chased me down the bank yes <laughs> well the, like I say the grass between the tennis court and the moat is is very rough it's got loads of loads of pheasant eye narcissi in in the spring so we we do um leave that to go fairly long because obviously we've got to leave for the, the the bulb foliage to die back after they've flowered so we don't actually do much with that we just strim it back 
um, probably sometime in late May is when that's done, just so that the bulbs have got time to, to die back. And then we've got things like the, the rough grassland in the orchard and um, by the herbaceous borders. Now, this is interesting, Saul, because as I say, you and I, I think, maybe are of, 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 of the kindred spirits when it comes to the, the look of the lawn, as in we don't really want to interfere too much. Um, we have ha we have a, a, a Kubota tractor at the hall, which is uh, it's got a dual purpose. It's it's it tows the trailer when we have large jobs and we create create lots of garden waste, but also it's the ride-on mower. Now, in the last week or so, the ride-on mower has broken completely broken oh and oh no yeah so we are we are now having areas of grass and to be fair they that it hadn't been cut for a long while the orchard anyhow it actually has got this lovely sort of haze well i think it looks lovely of a little bit of hawkspit and the yarrows flowering and we've got um plantains in there as well and so it maybe is getting a little bit meaty maybe there's a bit of a brew going on and it's starting. there you go yeah. yeah um so i have heard that the kubota has been fixed and on Friday I need to meet the gentleman who's fixed it on the on the lawn he's going to talk me through what's happened um as a side uh I know that you like your mower don't you your ride on mower I love my I like a bit of machinery yeah. I I am a typical man probably in that uh, <laughs> respect I like to tinker so you get someone in to fix the mower I'd be underneath the uh, bonnet or wherever it is and I'd be sorting it out myself oh, well AD um, we have a uh, AD cuts the grass at the hall and he has tried for months to fix a mower and he's been looking on YouTube um, buying in parts, filters, all sorts of bits and bobs, dismantling things. And I think he's even he's realised now that, you know what, because he's, he's so frustrated with the mower being so temperamental. He's like, no, nope, do you know what, we just need someone to to sort it out. And we're going to have, now the family have decided that we're going to have the mower serviced every autumn, completely stripped down and, and sorted out. So that's, that's really useful. But going back to the, the ride on mower, now, AD, as I say, cuts the grass. And we've had various other people in the past cut the grass. And have, is there an affliction that people get when they have, when they sit on the mower? Okay. Now, so anyone who's got a delicate constitution, I do want just, maybe you want to just press the mute button for a minute. But I think there's an affliction that we have at the hall and it's called Kubotus sticking on your anus. And that means that if you're sitting on the ride on mower, you do not like to get off it. You you just don't want to get off it for any reason whatsoever. Mm. Somehow you just get stuck permanently on there. Does that happen with you with your John Deere? Uh, no, I don't think it does. Um, I do like I do <laughs> like the John Deere because, like you, it's dual purpose. It, it pulls a trailer around. It's very useful for taking tools up and down our massive hill from the garage down. And then, yeah, then we can convert it into a mower. So... It's one of the tools or one of the pieces of machinery I probably use daily. Um, um, hmm. I maybe should walk up and down the hill a little bit more for my uh, health. But, um, you know, it's useful when the tractor's there. Um, but, you know, I, I love it. And uh, like you've already insinuated, I, I do use the mowing time as time for me to have a really good think. It's one of the it's one of those jobs where you actually go to every corner of the garden in Stonelands because uh, if people listen to the podcast before, they know we've got a lot of lawn at Stonelands, about three acres worth, of which two acres we formally treat and cut. I'd like to reduce that, but the owner's very keen, maybe of the same ilk as your owner, to have a very nicely okay. cut, uh, you know, good-looking bit of lawn outside the house. Um, mm. 
so we do do a lot of mowing uh when i first got there in fact we would or or the previous team were taking two days to just mow all the lawns uh, and that was um three of them so that was a six man days just to mow the lawns which for me was was wow. ridiculous and yeah i think as we're talking about lawns people lawns are an interesting thing psychologically psychologically because everyone or most people have had a lawn at some of their some point in their life and you're either in two camps i find you're either someone who needs to make their lawn look perfect all the time a little bit of long grass or something going wrong with their lawn and it's instant oh i must be out with the mower clip 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 get the edges done or you're the other way around completely and you just don't bother with it and eventually i find those people who don't aren't interested in lawns generally pave them over especially if it's their front garden so i think lawns polarize the uk population quite a lot no i i also also need to point out that your owners at stonelands because we mentioned it might be a generation thing with our yeah. owners at the hall being being octogenarians both of them your owners are a lot younger but they still well, want that true. manicured lawn at the front of the house so we can't pigeonhole it we can't say things like that and and uh, when they, when we've just said that your owners feel the same that they have to have a formal lawn at the front of the house i i definitely think there's as you say there's the two camps J- jade uh, my apprentice her house is on site and i'm looking after her uh, veggie pot at the moment i go up to her lawn they water it a lot uh her her husband is out there mowing it and it looks immaculate they've got these amazing edges it looks brilliant it looks absolutely amazing and it puts my lawn to shame to be honest and this is me i'm sure it's meant to be teaching jade how to do things and her lawn is looking fantastic but lucy think of the ecological value in your lawn i i i know you say people are usually polarized but i think you and me actually have our feet firmly in both camps because we both are both our properties we have longer grass meadows and we do have shorter lawns and mm. i think that's where the compromise lies especially if you've got a larger garden which you can afford to manage uh, separate areas of lawn or, or even the same lawn a large patch in different ways because then i think it gives the lawn a little bit more interest because I think a short lawn is all lovely, but there's not much interest there, especially if it's large sweeps of things. Um, but then on the other h- h- end, uh, if you do see a front garden that has just been left, it doesn't look particularly tidy, does it? And, I, and it's I know not a nice frontage. It's, it's nice, not it's a nice good, frontage. It's important to have a nice frontage. It's, yeah. not, it's always important to have a nice frontage. But in our minds psychologically we think it looks messy although mm. i know that the the narrative now is going yes we should we were talking um, or we're about to have an uh, an interview yeah. with Anne Swithenbank and we're going to be talking about rewilding with her that's going to come out this weekend and she was talking about this um yes, about exactly. this trying to rewild and make things look a little bit more natural and i just feel that there is a there is a, a middle ground a juxtaposition between the two that actually makes both short grass and long grass look better because of that transition between the two and at Stonelands, most of the behind the house bit is gone to meadow and most of the front house is formal lawn. And what I love to do is stand at one end or the other and you either look over the meadow to the formal lawn. It just draws the eye 
and vice versa. You look over the mown grass up into the meadow and it draws the eye. So I like to think that if even on a small scale, if you just say do the middle bit of the lawn as meadow and then just mow around the edges a nice strip, I think that just gives a sense that something's happening. You get the benefit of both types of grass management and I think it's very nice on the eye. So yeah. I yeah. think there is a there is a middle ground. Yeah, and I have seen, um, as you described there, that the where people have let their lawn go, but they've what they've done, they've maintained a very geometric pattern. So mm, mowing around yeah. the edge about a meter wide, and then actually they've mown grids into the grass. So there are very very shortly cut pathways and then you've got these these grids almost like a checkerboard of the long grass and actually if you want to do that it looks really really stunning um mm. and i i do like as a, a, a in our wildfire meadow area we have obviously the the meadow itself but through there is a network of uh tightly mown pathways they're, they're where we can take the the, the kubota and and you you can you can run around there uh, it's quite rough but the kubota can take it and so you get these lovely short bits of of turf and then the lovely meadow aside and like you say the the, the two either side by side or as you're saying at Stonehenge viewing one from the other is I think a lovely marriage of the two now before we conclude our podcast because I know we've got a few minutes left to do that I just need to say one word you to you and then I'm going to stand back and see your reaction artificial grass oh my (laughs) Do you know, I've been looking at artificial grass for years and it was popular. It was very popular about five years ago, I think, or something like that. And it was all the rage. And uh, there was a I'm not going to mention the company because uh, they're still operating. I don't want to be too derogatory, but they they were at the shows and they and they were they were flogging this artificial grass. And I was like, I just can't believe people would even go for this because, you know, it's just it, it. it sums up everything that's worse about um, uh, the way we treat our gardens. A, it's artificial. B, it's not. It's not natural. And, and you may think those two are the same, but they're not. You know, not natural. I'm talking about. It has no ecological value. You're mm. stripping out a resource for nature. And then I don't think that in the marketing it says it's it's a completely weed free replacement, completely maintenance free. From what I've seen from them, they're not maintenance free at all. I've seen weeds in them. I've seen people have to redo them, relay them. Um, you know, you have the, to ho- d- you have to hoover them. Hoover That's what you them. have to do. You have to hoover them. You don't because dirt them gets anymore. stuck in them. So I just yeah. oh, I, I tell you what, if there's anything that probably riles me the most in horticulture, it's, it's those two words, artificial grass. Well, I know, it's, I can see. Awful. You've gone, your brow's gone all furrowed. You were looking yeah. very calm and chilled. And now I've mentioned that word and I wish I hadn't. But I think I think we should touch on it because it's it's something that I think a lot of families now do look at. And I know, I know I've got friends who've got artificial turf. So, so, and it's often because they've got children and they want are, something Are they still soft. friends? Are they still friends? Hmm. <laughs> oh, don't don't ask don't ask because it honestly i'm so much with you on this i think anything plastic these days is just so not in our it's just got not a place for us anymore and i and yeah as you say it's the, the fact that there's no there's nothing natural there's no ecosystem i i can understand why it's attractive because it for for maybe maybe it's i'm trying to put myself in the mind frame of why you'd have it i can see it's it's if you <laughs> struggling, aren't I? Yeah, I was going to say you can't, you know, can you? <laughs> I know. If you want to hoover it, 
it's easy. If you're not really the fussed about mud and dirt, if that's not really your thing, great. If you don't want to be cutting the grass because you're a very busy person with a, a hectic life, all right, okay, fine. Um, but it doesn't make the gardens look right, does it? I, I've seen gardens with it in that are actually gardened. They've got borders and things, and the garden looks completely false. False. It looks unreal. It's sorry. I, I'm as you can no, hear no. from my the pitch change in my voice. It really gets <laughs> me. It really gets me riled because they're selling it as an alternative for your for your garden as a low maintenance thing, and I just think it completely takes the spirit out of an outdoor space i know i know i know come come on ease it down come i do i shouldn't have mentioned it i'm sorry but i thought in today's gardening world i just thought it was something that we should touch on we've touched on it i think we both concur so we don't need to discuss it anymore we can forget about it imagine you're standing sort in a meadow oh, the flowers yes. are there you've got the the hawk's bits you've got the scabious you've got an, you've got an orchid close your eyes feel that smell the grass feel it under your toes all right, is that is that okay now? Is that better? That's and that's better. And if you want a low maintenance solution to your grass, think meadow. That's all I'll say. Think meadow. So that concludes today's podcast. We hope you've enjoyed listening and would love any feedback or reviews you feel compelled to give us via your preferred podcast provider or social media platform. Life in the garden and out of it continually evolves for all of us. There is now reference to a new kind of normal, and we are excited to hope that this will bring opportunities to visit gardens, friends and colleagues old and new, so we can gradually adjust from virtual to actual worlds. Specialist nurseries, gardening charities, small businesses and self-employed individuals will still rely on us for financial support and encouragement over the coming weeks and months. We hope everyone in this profession is digging deep and finding ways to flourish. We are continually thinking of you all. Until the next episode of Talking Heads, goodbye! goodbye.